Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you, Ayala, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Workshop, Taking Your Pills on Schedule, The Importance of Adherence in the Treatment of Cancer. Now, today's program is one that many of you are interested in, and it affects many of you on the call today, of course, um, and uh, so that we're going to have a lot of wonderful speakers. Today is a truly multidisciplinary group of speakers. Now, our program is, is also collaborative in the sense that we collaborate with many other cancer organizations, and it really is because of that collaboration and helping to spread the word about the programs and your participation, your interest in the topic today, that we have over 508 participants on the call today. And you come from all over the United States. And we also have international participants from Argentina, Canada, and the United Kingdom. So really a bit of a global call today on, the, on this program. Now today's program is supported by Pharmacyclics, Inc. And I really want to thank them for their support of this program. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, and I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Michael Wong, and Dr. Wong is Professor, Melanoma Medical Oncology, the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Wong is going to address a number of topics, overview of cancer treatments, definition of adherence, or taking your pills on schedule, its important role in treating cancer, managing treatment side effects and pain, communicating with your healthcare team about adherence, and clinical trials. And it's now my pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Wong. Hello, all, and it's uh, my distinct pleasure to, and honor to be able to participate in this program with, uh, with you all on the line and also with the esteemed faculty. Um, I'm an oncologist, and this is one of the areas which is becoming increasingly important because so many of our drugs now are becoming oral to the point where it's having an impact on how we actually do patient flow and our clinical practice and how we manage side effects. Um, one of the reasons for this is because uh, we have really cracked the code on how cancers uh, are become cancerous. We know that they have molecules inside the cancer cell that makes them behave in a malignant way. And, uh, and the scientists who work in this area have done an incredible job in sort of uh, discovering these pathways, understanding which molecules are involved, and then really proving that uh, mod modifying how these molecules work, modifying how these things work uh, inside a cancer cell and inside the body can have a really positive impact on, the, uh, on what happens to cancer patients. And so a lot of things that have not been possible in the past have become possible. Well, where, do we, where are we going with this? Well, you know, we have created uh, uh, molecules that, that can actually go and, and, and inhibit these pathways. And these are called, called small molecule drugs, and many, many of them, if not all of them, are, are in oral form, in pills. And so it's becoming increasingly important. As a specific example, uh, I, uh, you know, grew up as an oncologist in the era where we had very few options for things like uh, melanoma and kidney cancers. And now, with this great, and I'm just using one small example I'm familiar with, this ha is happening across the board. But for instance, in kidney cancer, we ha there's, there's been a virtual explosion of these pills, and these are pills that target pathways. And, and, and because of that, it has really changed the way we uh, are, are treating people with cancer. And so I want to uh, uh, not minimize how important this is. And I'm, I'm looking through our faculty today, and I'm pleased to see there are people in, who are experts in pharmacy, experts in, in, in social work, who really are addressing uh, the, the, so all the problems that we have come to appreciate in doing so. We don't have a monopoly on this area. I think, if anything, 
where this really came to forefront is during the time when we're beginning to treat people with HIV. And many of those medications, almost all of them, are given by pills. And we, became, we came to understand that how we uh, structure a treatment plan, how we explain things to patients, and, and what patients do at their end to ensure that they're taking pills on time, on schedule, on dose, is becoming important. So we've borrowed from each other in every subspecialty. But in cancer, this is something which is becoming increasingly important. Um, Dr. Mesner uh, mentioned something about definition of adherence. There are many definitions, but the one that I stick to is a practical one and really means that uh, you know, adherence is, is, is taking your, uh, the medications that were prescribed to you in a way that, uh, that makes it efficacious in, in treating the disease at hand. It's a pretty open and broad definition, and I'll, I'll spend a few seconds uh, later on talking about what I really mean by that. So uh, its role in cancer is critical, and I'm going to speak very briefly about why in a very scientific way and then broaden that in a way that is broadly applicable and more easily understandable. It has to do with the fact that when we are using a molecule to inhibit a pathway, that these things in order for these things to work, it, is, it really is one molecule that you ingest going to your system, and that molecule then goes inside your cancer cell and basically sticks on to a pathway and prevents it from working. It's a bit like putting your foot on the brake. You've got to get in there and just you know, uh, uh, apply pressure. Now, that pressure is a function of how, much, how many molecules, how, what the do, uh, how many molecules there are in the blood, and that is directly related to the dose, the schedule, and how you're taking it. So that's very, very important. Uh, so we know uh, that as we are taking our pills, that there is a critical concentration which is achieved in the blood in which we are, begin to have an effect on the cancer. Uh, if you go below that, then you're not, you're not inhibiting the pathway. You don't have enough drug in the system to really squash down on a pathway that you are hoping to inhibit. Now, of course, if you're over that, then, uh, then you know, you go into the, uh, a situation where you can begin to have side effects. So that difference between having an effect on the, the cancer and no side effects and having side effects above and beyond what you want, that little window of opportunity is called a therapeutic index. That's a big word to say, you know, that you're in the right place and you're getting inhibition without side effects. That's why one of the things that's important is to really be collaborative with your team. You know, I, w I ask patients to work with me uh, and, and really tell me what's going on. There are many mechanisms of doing so. Some people uh, have a paper diary, and oftentimes uh, as part of a packet we have give to patients, we give them a little paper diary, especially on clinical trials, where you put little check marks and say, I took the pill today, and so on and so forth, and or... Um, or I'm, I'm having the following side effects. Why is that important? Because we then look at that and then make changes uh, 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 in such a way that we maintain efficacy against the cancer and minimize the side effects. So uh, having a good record-keeping is important. Now, for all those people who think that this looks pretty difficult, it is. So in my own personal story, uh, you know, in my family, we have a physician a nurse, and two pharmacists. And uh, I have to tell you, when we were helping my father get through his chronic illness, I can assure you that we were not 100% compliant, even with that team involved. And so I know it's difficult. And what are the mechanisms that can help include paper diary, having pill boxes that, can, uh, that you can uh, put pills in, uh, little triggers little, uh, that will help you know when you've taken a pill or not. Uh, because even the best of us, and you heard about my own personal situation, with even with healthcare providers in the family, many of us, uh, we just did not have 100% compliance. It's embarrassing to tell you an international audience that, but that's the truth. Now, uh, there are things that you also have to, to do. The, so you have to also work with a healthcare provider. Um, I'll give you examples where, uh, where this, this may be important in the next minute or so left in my talk. For instance, uh, some of the pills are in capsules or tablets, and they are formulated in such a way that uh, will allow 
things to passage through the stomach, for instance, and then only dissolve later on, or vice versa. So if they are in that format, uh, you know, work with the healthcare provider, but oftentimes we discourage folks from crushing these things because it may have a coating around them or opening up the, the capsules to get to the granules inside. There's a reason why it's packaged that way and has to do with the way it gets into your body. Uh, I had a patient one time with a very difficult to open packaging and, and his, uh, his son very appropriately says, you know, said, Dad, I'll help you with this and open it up. And the reason why it's in difficult to open package was because the pills are very sensitive to moisture. So he took them out and put them into the pill box, but that didn't really help in the long run. So work with the healthcare provider. So, um, and so the, and the last thing I want to say in my last call, a, a minute or so is to really uh, 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 be communicative with your healthcare team. You know, it's not, it, and, and it's not always a doctor who has the fix on it. In some practices, it's the nurse. In some practices, it's the navigator. In some practices, it's the, uh, the, the office secretary. But there's always someone in the team, we hope, and oftentimes it is that way, which is sort of uh, keeping tabs on things. And that's important to work with them. Um, you know, working with the pharmacists is also important because they have also information about toxicity, stability, and things like that. And the final thing I'm going to say is, is yes, there are clinical trials on adherence. Uh, oftentimes, these are in situations where there's a, a, sometimes a placebo pill or something like that, and, and so we are able to look at the mechanisms that will be helpful. Uh, many of the, uh, the ways we study this is built into the actual clinical trial. So I'm going to just end by saying that this is an incredibly important area. It's complex. It has to do with human nature as well as pharmacology and pharmacokinetics, and it really becomes a team approach. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Wong. That was a wonderful introduction to really the concept of really taking one's pills on schedule and all the challenges that exist um, even for the most sophisticated families and how difficult that is and just our healthcare teams. And so um, we are joining with everybody on the call today, recognizing that this is hard. Um, and our next wonderful speaker is uh, Ms. Sharon Flynn. And Sharon is an oncology nurse, and she is nurse educator, research and practice development, National Institutes of Health. And Ms. Flynn is going to address barriers to adherence or taking your pills on schedule. So barriers means why it, sometimes it's really hard to take your pills on schedule. Practical tips, tips to overcome these barriers and how family, partners, and others may help. It's now my pleasure to turn the program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Flynn. Great. Thank you, Dr. Messner, for the opportunity to be on this call today. I would also like to take this opportunity to welcome all of our participants who are on the call. Whether you're a healthcare provider, a person living with cancer, or a caregiver of someone with cancer, you recognize the importance of taking medications on schedule, and I applaud you for finding out more information about this important topic. As you heard from Dr. Wong, adhering to a medication schedule is one of the best ways you can help fight cancer. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the barriers to oral medication adherence, a bit of a tongue twister there, offer some practical tips on how to overcome these barriers, and finally, offer ways to involve your caregivers, your partner, family members, and friends in keeping your medications on schedule. First, what are those barriers that influence our adherence to taking medication, or what prevents us from taking pills taking our pills on schedule. So these factors can be divided up into two broad categories. The first one includes personal or patient factors, and the other one um, includes treatment-related factors. So I'm going to talk about personal or patient-related factors first. And one of the big ones is, how do you feel about your cancer? Do you believe that taking your medication or a combination of medications is helping you? Hopefully the answer is yes but sometimes the answer is no or I'm not sure. It can be difficult to take multiple pills a day and even more difficult if you have questions about the goals of your treatment or how this treatment um, is helping you. If you have questions about your treatment, just as Dr. Wong said, I really encourage you to please talk to your healthcare provider and get those questions answered. The next factor influencing your medication adherence can include medicines that you take for other conditions. For example, do you have diabetes or high blood pressure? Do these conditions require you to take even more medications? It can be challenging to juggle medications for just diabetes or just high blood pressure, and then you add a cancer diagnosis on top of that. 
To help combat that, I would encourage you to have a, a list of all of the medications that you take. On that list, I would include the name of the medication, the dosage that you take, and what time you take that medication. I also find it helpful to have on that list um, all of my healthcare team phone numbers and names, um, and I have that um, that list posted um, not only with me but with my caregivers so that if they have a question, they know who to contact. It's also very helpful to have your pharmacy phone number and name on there. So if you need a medication refill, you don't have to search um, through multiple numbers. The next personal factor is, are you physically able to get to your medicines? So think about if um, you had difficulty walking and your pills were on the other side of the room. That's a great time that our caregivers, our family members, um, friends and fa friends can help out and make sure that we have our medications close to us. And finally, your emotional or um, mental status. Are you depressed? Are you still in shock from your cancer diagnosis? We know this can influence your medication schedule. It, it may make you more tempted to skip a dose because you're thinking, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you that you are worth fighting for and it does matter. So please take your medications on schedule. Next, we're gonna move under to treatment-related factors that influence your adherence to taking medications. The main one is how complex is your treatment? Are you trying to juggle five different medications and 15 different pills? Or do you have a regimen that's a little bit easier where you take one pill in the morning and one pill in the evening? Again, I recommend that you have a calendar or a written copy of your treatment plan before you leave your healthcare provider's office. Um, make sure that there are contact numbers on there. So if it's Sunday afternoon, you know that you have someone that you can contact to answer your question. The next treatment-related factor for medication adherence are side effects. Does your cancer treatment medication cause nausea or another side effect? So do you have to take a pill to counteract the side effects from the first pill? Please talk to your healthcare team about which side effects are manageable for you and which ones um, um, are not manageable for you or make you want to not take your medicine. Many times there's an alternative medication in the same drug classification um, or another classification that can be prescribed for you if the side effects are not manageable. Next, how big are your pills? And do you have difficulty swallowing your pills? This can cause anxiety and reluctance to take your medicine. Please talk to your healthcare team. See if there's a smaller pill, maybe a liquid form that you could take that medication. Um, before you break a pill or crush it and put it into pudding, please talk to your doctor to make sure that, or your doctor or pharmacist, to make sure that that pill can be crushed or broken into two. These were just some of the barriers to taking your pills on schedule. Now let's talk about some tips to overcome these barriers. We talked about having a list of all your medications, um, and I wanna add to that. It should also include any herbal or vitamin supplements that you're taking. So some common medications that people forget to put on that list include multivitamins, maybe a medicine that they're taking for their migraine headaches, or maybe cold medicine that they only take once in a while. It's very important to keep track of these medications because they may affect your cancer treatment medicine. Dr. Wan talked about a pill diary. This is a simple notebook where you record the date, time, and dose of the medication that you took. It can help you keep track of your medicines. Um, if you have to take a medicine four times a day, gosh, by the time you get to the third or fourth time during the day, you wonder, did I take the morning one? If you write down the date, time, and dose that you took it at that time, you um, have a record of that. Other um, strategies include having a pill box with multiple compartments. Um, sometimes, uh, like Dr. Wong said, medicines come in what we call blister packs, or they're individually wrapped. And a standard pill box um, isn't large enough to fit these pills. So I recommend maybe a small fishing tackle box, or if you go to your local craft store, they're bead boxes. The compartments are a little bit larger than medication um, 
compartments, um, and they allow for more medications. Another um, factor in um, overcoming these barriers is to know what to do if you miss a dose of your medication. Should you take two pills at the next time your medication is due, or should you take a pill now and a pill in an hour? You need to contact your healthcare team to know what to do. Um, they are more than willing to tell you ahead of time in case you run into that situation. And if you have their contact numbers, if this happens, you can contact them immediately. And finally, let's talk about how your caregivers and friends can help you take your pills on time. We talked about creating a treatment calendar or medication checklist. This is an excellent job for a computer-savvy child, friend, or caregiver. It gives them a sense of purpose during your cancer treatment. I encourage all of my transplant um, patients to write birthdays, wedding anniversaries, holidays. Sometimes they put inspirational quotes on their calendars. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy, but it just needs to be legible. Next, establish a routine to take your pills and stick to it every day. It takes at least 30 days to establish a new habit, so enlist your support system to get in the habit of taking your pills. And next, plan ahead. If you're going to go on a day trip or on a long, long vacation, make sure you have enough medication for your time away. Perhaps enlist a member of your support system to keep track of your medication refills. Ask one person to keep a pill count so that they know when you're running low on medications and then can help you with a medication refill. So in summary, cancer treatment regimens can be very complex. Having a written schedule or a calendar um, and establishing a medication routine can help you take your pills on schedule. Thank you very much. Oh, thank, thank you very much, Ms. Um, Flynn. That was really um, outstanding, really. I have to say that was an outstanding presentation and a lot of really good information for everybody. And I know there will be questions for you during the Q&A. Lots of things for people to think about and um, really, and lots of things that people um, often don't consider. <clears throat> so thank you. And our next speaker is Dr. Susanna Kuntz. And Dr. Kuntz is a pharmacist. Um, she's president of the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association, or HOPA, HOPA, and she's principal of Kuntz Oncology Consulting, LLC. <clears throat> and Dr. Kuntz is going to address the role of the pharmacist, so the role of your pharmacist, reminders from your pharmacy and pharmacist, and these include telephone, computer, and tablet reminders, including emails, texts, and apps, and planning ahead, lead time in refilling prescriptions, for weekends, travel, and holidays. So it's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Koontz. Thank you, Carolyn, and thank you for having me join your program. Um, I'm excited to get the chance to talk to you about the pharmacist and how they can help you be partners in your care. As we've heard before, we want um, all the patients to really take an active role in their care and taking their medications outside of healthcare facilities. So first I'll start by really what is the role of the pharmacist is. Um, you know, we typically are viewed as the medication experts. Um, we focus our time on providing direct patient care and patient education, as well as taking an active role in clinical decision making. So oftentimes if you're in a hospital setting, you'll see us rounding with the medical team, or if you come to clinic for a visit, you may be, be greeted by a pharmacist at some point during your care. We are involved with the care of cancer patients at all phases, so from the time of diagnosis, throughout treatments, and even during the survivorship care once your treatment has complete, completed. Um, you'll find us working in a variety of settings, um, hospitals, outpatient clinics, infusion centers, as well as retail and community pharmacies, just to name a few locations. We work with other care providers, such as physicians and nurses and social workers, um, to, number one, ensure that there's a current and accurate medication list available to the team. Uh, we assist in selecting the most appropriate therapy, one that is suited best for your diagnosis and health status. And then we also are involved in monitoring the effects of the medications prescribed 
And then stepping in and helping to manage any adverse effects or side effects that can occur with cancer treatments. Um, more recently, we've been working with healthcare providers and administrators to address um, current issues surrounding healthcare. You may have heard some of these in the news. Um, the high cost of cancer therapies, we actually will assist in helping patients meet those financial um, requirements for paying for their medications. Um, we're also working to limit medication shortages um, and then also identifying options for clinical trial participation. Um, because of our expert knowledge of medications used to treat cancer, as well as the side effects, uh, we play a key role in educating other healthcare providers, so those doctors and the nurses, medical students and residents, as well as patients and your caregivers. So we will help develop educational materials and programs uh, detailing medication used to treat cancer, and then we also will develop tools and programs to improve medication adherence with the complicated regimens that some of you are currently or have taken in the past. So in sum, you know, pharmacists, we work to improve overall cancer care and patient quality of life. So regarding some of the reminders for um, you know, taking your medications, you know, the telephone, the computer, and um, emails, texts, and apps, for one, everyone is unique, and everyone as an individual, you have specific needs to your cancer diagnosis and your situation. So what may work for a friend that had cancer you know, two years ago may not be the best option for you. So we do encourage you to talk with your healthcare team to try to determine what the best tool and resources are for you and your situation. And you may have to try out one or two before you really find something that fits your needs best. So I'm just going to give you a brief overview of some of the available technology, and you've heard a few of them already. Um, first is the patient calendars. We do have patients who really like having that paper and pen, so they will write down everything that they are supposed to take on a particular day or during a particular week, and then they will look to it periodically and check off the doses of medications that they have to take at those particular times. Um, you've heard the utilization of pill boxes. Those are typically the plastic reusable boxes that you can find in pharmacies as well as some retail stores. Um, there are also some newer versions available on the market, and they actually have the ability to emit an alarm and even light up when it's time to take a particular dose of medication. So some of our tech-savvy patients are really enjoying that option and that feature where they can lay out all their pills for a particular day or a particular week or even a month and then set these uh, alarms that will periodically go off and actually light up for when it's time to take a particular dose of medications. Um, blister packs can be helpful. Often those are provided to you by a pharmacist um, within a particular pharmacy. Um, some of the newer technology, they too have ways to emit alarms and um, sounds when it's time to take a particular dose of medication. Some patients are using reminder watches, so the watches can be set uh, to emit an alarm as well as vibrate. So if a patient is hearing impaired, the watch will actually vibrate on their wrist when it's time for their next dose of medications. A lot of people now have uh, smartphones and cellular phones, so you can actually just go into your phone and set up a reminder, um, set your alarm when it's time for your next dose. Um, there's also services available that will text you reminders. So I know some patients that will rely on caregivers to actually send the patient a text, but there's actually services available that they will then take that responsibility to send the patient a text when it's time to take their next, next medication. Um, electronic pill bottles are something that's new. These are b bottles where you can store your medications and they actually will beep or chime when it's time for a dose. And some are as sophisticated by being talking. So they will, you can record important information for patients and it will repeat it back to the patient at the time that is um, due for their next dose. So maybe it's important that the patient take the medication with a full glass of water. You can record that short message and then it will play it back for the patient to say, you know, it's time to take your next dose. Don't forget to take it with a full glass of water. 
Increasingly popular are, are mobile apps as well as cloud-based technology. There are many of these applications on the market. Um, some are freely downloadable through you know, iTunes or, you know, or for Android, and others are available at a cost. Some have even been uh, thoroughly evaluated and rated per developed guidelines. So when you're looking at some of the reviews that people have for these apps, you may wish to look at those ratings and helping you select a particular app that may best suit your needs. They have a variety of features and capabilities. Some are quite simple where the app will alert your phone. It goes off when it's time to take a next dose of medication. Others are very sophisticated. So not only will they alert you at the time it's to take a medication, a picture of the pill will actually pop up so you know which one to select out of a bottle or a box. And then others will also allow you to record certain information. Maybe you had to miss a particular dose because you just weren't feeling well. You can actually record that information so the next time you visit your healthcare provider you can work with them to say, I'm having some problems with this particular medication. It's not working for me. Some of these apps can be connected to smart watches as well. So you don't necessarily have to have your phone in front of you or in your pocket if you're wearing one of the smart watches. It will uh, interface with your watch, and then your watch will remind you when it's time to take your next dose of medications. And then the last area I wanted to talk about was planning ahead, like when it's time to do refills for your prescriptions that may occur during a time of travel or vacation. So there are differences among prescribing rules and regulations throughout the United States, and there's differences in insurance plans. So every patient situation is unique. So I do encourage you to check with your healthcare team and insurance company for the information specific to your situation. But I'll give you a few uh, tips as we go along here as to how you can manage this. Most medications can be refilled at nearly any pharmacy in the United States. So chances are if you are away from home, you can take in your pill bottle to a local pharmacy and they can fill it. Most often this is done by what we call a prescription transfer. So it's the pharmacist calling the pharmacy where you normally have your prescription filled and then transferring that prescription. Um, when you do this, you'll probably have to provide your insurance card, and you may even have to call them to see if they that if your insurance participates um, in that particular uh, plan that's offered by that particular pharmacy. Um, most doctors will provide you with a medication order that you can take while you are away in most circumstances, and you can have them filled as well. So if you don't want to do a prescription transfer, maybe you're on a uh, medication for high blood pressure, your physician can write you a new prescription that you can carry with you and have it filled. So it's just a matter of contacting your doctor's office before leaving to get that set up. Um, this doesn't work in all cases, though, so you'll just have to work with your healthcare team. Um, there are some challenges, though, to issuing um, refilled prescriptions ahead of time. So insurance sometimes put a restrictions on to prevent early refills. Therefore, you might have to wait really up until the last day until your medication is due for refill. And then sometimes the prescriber has certain prescriptions. So your doctor may not want to provide you with another order or refill until you're seen in their clinic for further evaluation. Um, and then, you know, maybe you have some pain issues and they don't want to go ahead and give you too many weeks of the therapy. So when you are traveling, here's a few tips to manage that. Um, at least the week before leaving on your trip, I would uh, recommend that you make a list of all your medications and have that ready to take with you. But focus on the ones that you know are going to run out while you are away. Um, make a list of the information to take with you, such as, you know, all your healthcare provider contact information, have your insurance info or your insurance card with you, and then any copies of your prescriptions can also be helpful. Um, before you leave on your trip, um, see if you can go ahead and refill it at your home pharmacy. Go in, you know, a day or two ahead of time. Some insurance plans allow for what we call a vacation override. Um, this means the pharmacy can go ahead and fill your prescription uh, ahead of time before you run out to accommodate your vacation plans. Uh, often this just requires you to call your insurance provider to see if your plan will allow for this. Um, when you are away, you have run out or you're about to run out, 
try not to wait until the last moment. Um, try to go into that pharmacy at least two or three days ahead of time before you're due to run out. Um, sometimes the pharmacy may need a few days to get that medication in. Maybe it's not a medication they typically keep on their shelves in stock, so they'll have to do an order. But, you know, arriving at the pharmacy, you know, 10 minutes before your next dose is due is not going to be helpful. So try to do that ahead of time. Um, and if you're going to a place where you know you're going to be staying with some family and friends, reach out to them and say, you know, what pharmacy do you use? And maybe they can help facilitate some of this um, information being transferred. Try to try find a pharmacy that's within the same family or same chain as the one you use back at home because they'll already have a lot of the information stored in their database. And if you're leaving the country to go on a trip, Bring enough medication with you since your prescription order will not be valid outside the United States. So in this case, you probably are going to have to refill it before leaving the country for a sufficient supply, and you may have to um, pay for that small supply if your insurance does not allow for such an early refill. I also encourage you to check rules and regulations on the country you're visiting because some countries have restrictions on what can be brought into a country and how much at one time. And then finally, as a last resort, if you cannot find a pharmacy that takes your insurance, so for example, some Medicaid plans are only valid within a home state, you can always consider paying for a small amount of the medication yourself, just enough to cover you during your vacation time until you get back home. Um, and then finally, when you are traveling with your medications, check with the U.S. TSA screening rules and regulations. They have a website that's available. Um, it's best to keep your medications in original containers so that they are readily marked and identified. Um, if you need syringes, get a note from your healthcare provider saying that you need these syringes because um, that's going to be easy for you to then go through screening. Keep your medications with you at all times if possible. Don't place them in check baggage or on airline trips. As we know, luggage can get delayed, misdirected, or lost. And unfortunately, medications are attractive for theft out of checked bags. So you want to keep those with you for a variety of reasons. And then finally, store your medications appropriately. Um, summertime is upon us here in the United States. It's starting to get very hot. So if you are on a road trip and you're traveling and you want to get out and do some sightseeing, uh, leaving your you know, medications in a hot car for three or four hours is not the ideal storage conditions. Same thing for freezing temperatures. So when you are traveling, make sure you are keeping them appropriately stored at all times. Well, thank you very much. That was wonderful, Dr. Koontz. That was outstanding. And um, you really covered a lot of issues that people can discuss with their pharmacist and just um, beautifully done. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. That was really outstanding. Um, and I'm just going to say a few words about cancer care um, before we actually move on to take questions. Um, so cancer care is an organization that provides uh, support, psychosocial support to people living with cancer and their families. Um, we have a staff of oncology social workers here, and we offer practical and financial assistance. Um, we also um, offer um, a host of um, supportive services, so counseling services, both one-on-one -on -one counseling um, and also with our oncology social workers or with families or children. Um, we also offer counseling services in support groups on the telephone or online, and um, we also um, have, uh, so that's really very attractive to people all over the world. To some extent, the online support groups are not time sensitive, so those can be very useful to people no matter where they are in the world, and also to some extent in the country, depending on the time differences for the telephone workshops, as well, tele the tele telephone support groups as well. It's awfully nice to have some other people to talk to or are kind of walking in your shoes, and many people find support groups to be very helpful. Um, we also have a very active website with lots of information and many publications. And of course, we have our, these workshops that um, they are quite plentiful, and you can really sign up for them um, as you are able to. So with that all being said, so there are a lot of resources for you. And most importantly, we don't want anyone to think that you're alone, that you do have access not only to cancer care services, but to all the other organizations that can really be assistance to you to really help you. 
And now we do have time for questions. We actually have a lot of time for questions. I'm going to ask Ayala to explain to all of you how to queue up for questions. I'm going to try to take as many of your questions as possible. If we don't get to your question, then I will, of course, um, at the end, give you instructions of how to get your questions answered. Ayala? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then 1 on your touch-tone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star, then one. And we have a question, um, actually, um, actually for, uh, I'm going to start with Dr. Wong, but I think all of our speakers may want to weigh in on this one. Um, so, Dr. Wong, the question is, um, is there any way I can help my mom out with her treatment schedule as I am moving out of state? Should I offer to text or call her when she should be taking her medication? So is this something that you uh, periodically run into with people, family living away from the patient, and just how um, recommendations you might have or from your experience? So let me start. I'm sure everyone can weigh in here. And I have to tell you, it's just a fantastic talk because I was actually scribbling notes while uh, my other two speakers mm. were speaking. So you guys are fantastic. Let me answer from a very doctor-centric point of view and then let the others weigh in on, on from their viewpoint. Uh, uh, it's sometimes very helpful to share your anxiety with the doctor and, and, and really prompts us sometimes to, 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 to modify the treatment schedule in such a way that would be easier. So sometimes we'll say, listen, is there a long-acting variant of this that we can give once a day instead of three times a day? Is there, uh, is, I mean, can we consolidate this all into one uh, time of the day? Do we have to, you know, do we, can, can you take all the pills at once? Is there a drug-drug interaction? If not, then... Yes, possibly so. So, uh, I mean, share the, the sort of concerns with your healthcare team and specifically ask about uh, whether there are ways to consolidate some of the, the scheduling into a, a more friendly way of, uh, of, of giving it. Then it makes things easier on, on, uh, on you and on your loved ones as well. So let me step away and allow my colleagues to speak in as well because I'm sure they have some great ideas. Well, thank you, Dr. Wong. And, and Ms. Lynn, do you want to add to this as well? Uh, absolutely. This is a great time to enlist your mom's neighbors or friend, um, to church members, community members, um, any social group she's active with to check in on her. Um, in addition to the recommendations from Dr. Wong, which were fantastic, um, if you can't be there, um, have a neighbor check in on her and um, review the medication with her. See if she's taking her pills. And then you can check in with her maybe once a day instead of three times a day with her medicine. Excellent. And Dr. Coons? <laughs> yes. So I actually went through a similar situation with my father-in-law who had a problem taking medications. You know, for me, he lived two miles away from us, so it was pretty easy for me to check in. But one thing I found was if I took my vitamins at the same time he had to take his medication, it kind of showed that we were in this together, so so to speak. Um, now, if you don't have that opportunity from a geography standpoint, I do know of some people who have checked in with loved ones via Skype or FaceTime, so they get on to make sure that their loved ones are taking their medications, um, and it's also a way for them to actually watch and see if they actually are opening the pill bottle or pill box and then taking the medication. So that kind of reinforcement or support can be helpful as well. And, and I do echo getting the neighbors involved or people from church or, you know, maybe someone in a book club to really check in and see if there are any issues and if they can help. Excellent. Thank you. This is a, I hope that was helpful, and uh, we hope you'll take this information back and give it some thought. Talk to your healthcare team about these very important tips. And we have another question, um, which I'm going to start with Dr. Kuntz on this one. Um, I work full, at a full-time job and find it difficult to remain on schedule with my medications. What should I do if I forget a dose of medicine or take it later than scheduled? Do you have any tips on adhering to my medication in the workplace? So here we're talking about people in the workplace too busy to remember to take their medications. So, Dr. Yep. Kuntz, could you start yep. with that? And, yep, and to echo the other speakers, um, you know, working with your healthcare team, um, don't be afraid to speak up and say, you know, you've scheduled this medication for me at 9 a.m. and I'm always in, you know, a staff meeting at work at that time. We can work with you um, on your schedule. 
we encourage people to take their medications um, pretty much at the same time every day because that just creates a habit. So if there's a particular time that you always read the newspaper or maybe there's a particular show that you watch, um, you know, the evening news or something, try scheduling your medications around that particular activity. If you are trying to take your medications in the workplace, clearly that can be quite difficult because you're trying to balance your responsibilities at work and, you know, also your privacy as well, and we do recognize that. Um, trying to maybe take your medications, you know, at a scheduled break, at a lunchtime um, opportunity may not always be feasible because we do know people's work schedules vary from day to day and they also get interrupted. But, yes, trying to work um, with your healthcare team to identify some activities that you do on a regular basis, whether, you know, after you brush your teeth, you take your medications or before you go to bed, et cetera. Thank you. Can, can, and, I, um, can I weigh in on this, yes, Dr. Wong here? Yes, please. Oh, yes, please do. Yes. Yeah, so one, uh, one part of the question was what to do if you skip a dose. And uh, there's no one correct answer to that. It depends on the pharmacology, pharmacokinetics, and pharmacodynamics of the drug. Those are big words, in other words, that really mean how the drug reacts in your body. Some drugs, for instance, if I say if you remember within eight hours, just take it. If it's after eight hours, just forget it, and, and tomorrow just sort of keep marching. Some drugs uh, you can uh, uh, use, uh, you should not double up on. So work with your uh, healthcare team. Uh, you know they they have a, uh, they should have a pretty firm grasp on the intricacies of the these sort of uh, uh, behaviors of these drugs, and so that that can be very helpful. The last thing is I'm going to say is that I I used to work in Los Angeles, and some of my uh, patients you know, are, are in the entertainment industry, and we actually flipped our schedule. They're taking their, their, I mean, for them, day and night is sometimes reversed depending on their schedule. So also share that with your healthcare team, and we don't always uh, pay attention to such matters. And so, and so rather than sort of make this a solitary activity, make sure just, just bring us into the fold and see if we can help you out with that. So it really takes a whole village to figure this out. These are complicated issues here. Um, and um, Ms. Flynn, do you want to add to this as well? Oh, I, great, great responses. And I, I'd like to echo um, both of my colleagues that if you're working a night shift or you are a rotating um, day-night person, so I think of nursing and other healthcare providers that we have to provide care 24-7. And so sometimes we can't work kind of nine-to-five schedules. Um, and so, again, talk to your healthcare team. How can you, if you're working 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. One, one week and next week you're working 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., how can you keep taking your medication at work um, and keeping it on time? Ask them um, uh, what are, how, how this can happen. So thank you. Excellent. Thank you. And there's a question for Dr. Wong from one of our online participants. I'm Dr. Wong. Uh, could you address a bit more about the definition of adherence and the time frame? What is the window in which one should regularly take the medication? For example, if one is taking a tablet once a day, is an hour difference acceptable? So, Dr. Wong, if you could address that. Sure. I mean, I, 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 uh, yeah, I have, I have. Thank you, and, and I have a very broad definition. Really, it's adherence is sort of a, a, a behavior or schedule that ensures efficacy. And the reason why I keep such a broad schedule because it, it there's as you can hear this, it's as individualized as there are people, and uh, and and that's why. Now about sort of the what I call sort of how much leeway do we have? I mean, I always say uh, in general, a couple of hours on either side is not going to make a huge difference. It may differ in, for some medications because um, to be scientific about for one second depends, sometimes depends on the half-life, uh, you know, how short-acting the drug is. I'll give you an example. If someone is using a pain medication, uh, a short-acting pain medication, one of the instructions we have is, is that if you're going to do something that may be painful, you want to take your pain pill, if you wish, at a certain time uh, just before that. Uh, an example that that I had to deal with was someone had uh, really intricate wound care for because of burns, and we knew that this was going to be a painful procedure. Then you time that in such a way that uh, that uh, that uh, the, the the pain medication is maximal at the time you need it. And that's a situation where you are you want to be right on time. Uh, an example of things that are not so sort of important are long-acting blood pressure medication. Uh, these are long-acting drugs. After you've been on them for a while, your body builds up a certain level in your blood. So if you're within 
what we call it, a half uh, a half a half life of where you are. In other words, how long the pills last could be hours. You're probably okay. So it's as varied as the pill that you're dealing with. And again, it, I can't emphasize enough uh, an open co- path of communication with the healthcare team. If anything, that is the secret sauce to making this all turn out right. Well, that's excellent. And um, does anyone want to add to it, uh, Dr. Coombs or Ms. Flynn? Do you want to add? I don't have anything, no. Okay, all right. And we have another question from our online participants. Um, but it's, a, it's a question that we hear often from people as to what to do. And um, I'm going to direct it to Dr. Wong first, but I want everybody else to weigh in on it as well. This has to do with traveling. When traveling to an area with a large time zone jump, should I stick with taking my meds at the same time that would be my local home time, even those which are better taken first thing in the morning or night? So, uh, Dr. Wong, if you could weigh in on this, because this, uh, this is something that comes up a lot on um, a lot of our programs. Sure. So. Uh, in fact, uh, I actually, early in my career, published a paper on circadian rhythms and chemotherapy. And there's no doubt that uh, our bodies have a circadian rhythm. We, uh, and and, and our, our hormones act that way. Uh, and our, the way our digestive enzymes work is also circadianly driven. So what I tell folks is that if you're going to be in the other time zone, such that you are, quote, unquote, switched over, and you're going to be living in that time zone for a period of time, then, then I would just follow the other time zone. You might need to skip a dose uh, and and go. I mean, I'd rather not stack the dose too close together. I'd rather skip it. That it has most uh, has the widest leeway of safety. Uh, but I would switch over if you are switching. If you're only going for a couple of days and you and you are already living in, in your home time zone because you're on a business trip and you're only going to be, for instance, I was in Asia recently and I was only gone for a very short period of time. I kept my schedule uh, uh, according to my home schedule. Then I would keep my medication schedule the same way. Uh, so it really depends on whether or not you're switching over and then by definition your circadian rhythm and all the way your body reacts will also switch over over time. If you're going to do that, then you should you know, uh, have your, uh, your pill schedule adhere to the new schedule. Uh, and 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 that's probably the, and then if you have to skip a dose as opposed to stacking them too close together as being the safest way of doing it. I'll let my colleagues answer. I'm sure they have great mechanisms of doing that as well. well excellent. Thank you. Very helpful. And then Ms. Flynn, do you want to comment as well? And we run into this um, this issue all the time at the National Institutes of Health, where we have both national and international visitors coming um, with this medication question. And we we echo the same thing as Dr. Wong. If you're going to be here for a short period of time, then try and stay on your your home time, your original time, versus switching over. But if you're going to come and stay for a couple weeks, then um, we try and move you towards. Um, the morning, noon, and night of where you are. Um, it also depends on how you feel. And if you're feeling really crummy, um, then call your health care provider and, and talk to them and see which, which is better for you, um, depending on the medication, how you feel. Um, it, it may depend on um, what to do next. Excellent. Thank you. And Dr. Kuntz, do you want to comment as well? It's probably frequently asked question of pharmacists as well. Yes, it is, and and I concur with my colleagues that you know if you're again just going to be there for a short period of time, um, keep to your original schedule. It can be too cumbersome trying to make the switch, especially you know it's one thing if you travel one or two time zones and you only have an hour or two to manage, but if you're traveling you know to Europe from the central part of the United States, you're looking at potentially a seven or eight hour difference, and it can be quite challenging to try to figure those changes out. And what we don't want you to do is, you know, inadvertently double up on a dose that you shouldn't be doing or making some other type of medication error. Excellent. Thank you. This is, what a, this is an amazing uh, multidisciplinary team. I'm really uh, an oncologist, a pharmacist, an oncology nurse, an oncology social worker. We really are. This is an amazing team. And we're going to take one last late-breaking question. And it's a question that was partially addressed during the call, I believe by Dr. Wong, so I'm going to have Dr. Wong start with this question. I received my medications by mail. As we head into the more extreme weather, should I be worried about my medications surviving in the heat or the freezing cold while I am at work? My schedule does not allow for picking up my medication from the pharmacy on a regular basis, and no one is home during the day. So 
uh, Dr. Wong? This is a uh, challenge here. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and uh, again, varies uh, uh, widely depending on the medication. We have oncology medications that must be uh, refrigerated, and uh, my understanding from what I hear from patients who who have to uh, because of their insurance, order this from uh, sort of specialized pharmacies that these things come with ice packs, right? And I uh, oftentimes would instruct people not to mail things close to holidays and weekends because if there's any uh, interruption, it's sticking, it's stuck on some loading dock somewhere in a blistering heat. Likewise, I, I used to work at a cancer institute in in Buffalo, so. You know, <laughs> uh, we're talking extreme colds there. In general, the 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 uh, for mail order pharmacies, they are they're pretty sensitive to these things. But it doesn't hurt if you have very specialized medication to reach out either by direct inquiry or a phone call to 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 make sure that the, you schedule it at the right time, uh, such at your home or that it, it's not close to a holiday. Uh, again, I, I I think my colleagues have have uh, have some very good ideas, and I'll let them weigh in on this as well. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Flynn, do you want to comment? Sure. This is a great time to ask that next-door neighbor to be on the lookout for your package um, or someone else in your community, maybe someone who's retired and um, is kind of on the neighborhood watch already, and that they um, can be on the lookout for the delivery person with that medication. Um, As Dr. Wong said, most of our medications that we send out um, come in refrigerated packages, but it doesn't um, ever hurt to make a phone call and say, when do you anticipate this medication being delivered? Is it on time? Um, Following up with that delivery company and that pharmaceutical company or um, uh, pharmacy to make sure that it was sent out so that you can prepare for when that delivery is occurring. And again, um, not being around big holiday times, Christmas time is notoriously um, a rough time for mail delivery. Excellent. Thank you. And Dr. Coons. Yeah, and I, I just would also add, you know, some of the delivery services, depending on who they're utilizing, you can actually track that package, and you can actually have it redirected, not only at the delivery time, but also to an address. So if you know you're not going to be home on, you know, a Thursday afternoon when it's expected, you can maybe have it delayed until Friday when you're at home or have it shipped to, you know, another address if you feel comfortable having it shipped to, a, um, you know, a neighbor's house or even to your work environment or, you know, if you don't mind having that um, be delivered to those areas. As far as the packaging of these products, too, there are uh, typically sensors um, that are in these packages sometimes, too, and they will indicate whether or not a particular product was kept at a certain temperature level. So you may also want to check um, the interior packaging the next time you unpackage your medications just to be sure that they weren't exposed to any extreme temperatures. And again, if you have those concerns, reaching out to your healthcare team or to the pharmacy that actually filled that and shipped that prescription. Thank you. I want to thank all of our speakers. You've just been extraordinary. Um, this has been an amazing call. I want to thank all of you who've been listening and all of you who've asked such excellent questions that really enhanced our call today. Um, I did say that I would let you know what to do if you have further questions, and I know that there are many of you who have further questions. So, of course, your healthcare team is always, of course, a very wonderful place to go with your questions, medical questions, and other questions as well. But I know some of you also like to contact other places, and I want to give you a credible source for medical information, and that would be the National Cancer Institute. And they have a a toll-free number, 1-800-422-6237, and you can speak with one of their information specialists, or you can visit their website at www.cancer.gov, and they have a live chat feature where you can post your question, and indeed one of their information specialists will come on, and will, you can have a dialogue back and forth about what your questions are. This will all be nice for people internationally, as well as people in the United States as well who prefer online communication. Now, if you have a psychosocial concern, either a practical or financial 
uh, help with or copay assistance, help with your medications, or if you have uh, questions about um, just getting some supportive counseling from an organization or joining a support group or um, getting just some further information, you can certainly call Cancer Care at 1-800-813-4673 or visit our website at www.cancercare.org. Most importantly, we don't, again, want anyone to leave this call feeling that you're alone. We want you to know that you're now probably in the embrace of all of both Cancer Care and all the many organizations and resources that we're going to provide for you um, that we have sent to you already and we're going to send to you again and you'll be getting a follow-up evaluation. And in that evaluation, it's not just an evaluation, it actually has all these wonderful resources for you to access um, for further help. Um, and, and, you know, do call everybody. I mean, it's really, I think as all of our speakers have said, these are wonderful questions and your healthcare team really does want to hear from you. And, um, and you know, I think your questions today are the kind of tip of the iceberg. I know there are many other questions and I know you'll, you have places to ask both your healthcare team, uh, the National Cancer Institute, Cancer Care, and many other organizations out there to help you. So with that being said, um, I want to wish you all a very fine day. I do want to let you all know that we are doing an interesting program on what are generic drugs, understanding the role in cancer treatment. And that's going to take place on June 29th. And so if you're interested in participating in that program, you can just go ahead and register for that the way you did for this one. Um, it's from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So again, I want to wish you all a very fine day, and thank you for your participation today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a good day.